Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, happy Hanukkah. It's Hanukkah of Toshanai and Ches 2018. And I just wanted to share an idea or two that I thought of this year. Hanukkah is a very complicated subject. Uh, there are many Hanukkahs, as I always say. The Gemara says, my Hanukkah. There's my Hanukkah, and your Hanukkah is hers and ours. There is, for example, the Hanukkah of history, which you're trying to ascertain the historic facts of what happened in the Maccabean Revolt, in which case you end up having to consult a whole lot of books. The first book of Maccabees, the second book of Maccabees, and the Apocrypha, the Megillus Tinus, which is written even before the Mishnah, the other elements of rabbinic literature, there's Josephus, who more or less copies from the first and second book of Maccabees, there's Yosifon, which is the from knockoff of uh, Josephus, written many centuries later in Hebrew. When you try to get into the tangle of what happened in terms of the historic details of Hanukkah, you have to just throw yourself into a bunch of texts. And I don't want to do that right now. There is also the Hanukkah of Talmudic literature, the Gemara and Shabbos, my Hanukkah, in which you're interested then in a separate set of questions, uh, either uh, lambdas, for example, what's the story with the oil that the Greeks were metame? I thought tumahotra betzibur, that it didn't matter if the oil is tome, or you can have another avenue of investigation is how could the Greeks be metame anything in the first place? Because if they're not Jewish, if they're goyim, then at that period of history, they didn't have the capacity to impart tuma. Uh, maybe I'll return to that in a little bit. There are many other halachic, uh, I mean, excuse me, lumdisha questions connected with uh, Hanukkah. Uh, then there's the Hanukkah of halacha, in which how tall is the menorah? Where do you put it? What if it goes out? Do you have to relight it? When do you light it? How long does it have to light for? And all those sorts of things. And then there's the Hanukkah of meta history not of history, in which you want to understand, as the Maral Miprag does, how does Hanukkah fit into the grand scheme of Jewish destiny? Because if you are familiar with the book of Daniel, there's the famous two dreams of Nebuchadnezzar, in which he foretells the four kingdoms, the four empires, which will affect Jewish history and be the cause of the exiles, until finally the fifth empire, the Mashiach, restores the Jews to uh, independence and even supremacy. There's two famous dreams in the book of Daniel along these lines. One in the second chapter, where King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, and he sees a giant statue with four elements, the head of gold, and then below that was silver, and below that was bronze, and below that was iron and clay, and 
according to the classic way of interpreting that in the Talmudic literature, the first, the head of gold refers to Babylonia, that gold is Babel, and the second one to Persia, the third one to Yavon, to Greece, and the fourth one to Edom. If the third one is Yavon, then people like the Maral are saying, what's the significance of Greece being identified with bronze? Or similarly, in the seventh chapter of Daniel, there's the dream of the four monsters, which is the first monster, which represents uh, Bavel again, the second, which represents Persia, the third one with Yavon, which I think was a leopard with four wings and four heads. So then the Maral and people like him are going to try to understand the deep Torah wisdom of portraying Yavon as a leopard instead of any other animal. And why does that have four wings and four heads? And what does the number four represent? And you're looking for what we call historiosophy, which is the hidden wisdom that uh, lays behind the way God runs the course of history. And there are other elements in the book of Daniel which speak in terms of meta-history of Hanukkah, because Hanukkah is mentioned, although people don't realize it usually, in the book of Daniel. There's the famous story of the ram and the unicorn, where there's this big ram and then the unicorn charges and kills the ram, but then the unicorn's he- uh, horn breaks off and turns into four small horns going in different directions. And it says in the book of Daniel that the unicorn represents Alexander the Great. And the four smaller horns eventually boil down to the Hanukkah story. One of the small horns is Antiochus IV, and they talk about him sacking the temple and discontinuing the carbon tumid and installing an idol, a shikutz meshomem, as he calls it, on the altar, and the whole story of Hanukkah is kind of foretold over there. And once again, if you take that approach, then you're interested in the meta-historical side of Hanukkah. And I'm not even finished. Then there's the Hanukkah of mysticism and Hasidus, in which you say, if a miracle happened with the oil, then that's not a regular light. So then it reminds us of the first light. that it says in the beginning of Genesis, Embracious, he or let there be light, and uh, I might add that Greece is referred to as Choshech over there, if you know the Chazals. And what happened to that light? Uh, it doesn't seem to be the kind of light of physical optics that comes a few days later in the creation story. And so this or the original or is Ganus is hidden away. They end up saying, and uh, represents a kind of. Uh, supernal knowledge which the human race is not ready yet and God will only share that with the tzaddikim but then you see that there's a miracle with the light, the ore of Hanukkah and they try to connect that together and that's an entire genre of writing, especially as they say in Hasidus, the ore Agonus and I'm not even finished there's the, there's the Hanukkah of homiletics of Drush in which everyone all the famous darshanim of the past are trying to find the sermonic uh, message of Hanukkah and how it applies uh, nowadays. There's a whole literature of that. And there's even more. So as you see, Hanukkah is uh, an entire world. It's an entire little universe of of ideas and discourses. And uh, it's very rich if one plunges into them. I would only share a little vort right now with you. And that's mixing together the history and the halacha and the lambdas. And as I said before, a famous question is, why was it 
that the Greeks were able to be metame the oil, people who are not Jewish don't have the ability to impart tuma, at least at that stage of Jewish history. And there are many lumdusha answers that are proffered, but I would simply point out the following uh, as an answer of my own. Uh, when the Greeks came into the temple, they killed everybody. Uh, if you read the book of Maccabees, there was massacres going on in uh, Jerusalem and the Harbites included. And if they simply killed one Jew, one coin, inside the Kodesh where the oils were stored, uh, that itself would make Tumas Ohel, as they call it. And uh, that would be, that would cause all the jars, all the oil in the jars to be a tummy unless they were totally sealed. And moreover, one of the biggest problems of Hanukkah is that there were Hellenist Jews. It was actually more of a civil war than a war of the Jews versus the Greeks or the Macedonians. And as a result, the problem is that you had, you had, the problem is you had um, many bad Jews. And let's say, for example, when the Greeks invaded the temple, the Macedonians, they were accompanied, as the book of Second Maccabees tells us they were, by renegade Jews, renegade Kohanim. Uh, these are people who don't keep the laws of Toma and Tahira. So let's say someone's a Kohen, and he's a Hellenist, and he's Tommy Mace, and he accompanies the Greeks as they despoil the temple, and he goes into the Kodesh or whatever room was in the base of Migdash. If he touches the oil, that makes the oil Tommy. So when they say the Greeks were metami the oil, it means the Greeks and all the people who were accompanying the Greeks and acting like them, of which, unfortunately, there were many Jews. And so if you think of it in that way, there's no kasha in the first place of how is it that people who are not Jewish were able to impart tuma to the oil, because, unfortunately, many of the people who invaded were Jews themselves, just that they were renegades. In which case, the fact that they found the jar of oil, which those renegades did not notice. And that jar of oil was sealed with sealed. The coin Gadol was considered itself a remarkable event, a miracle of its own. Uh, I just wanted to share that one little thought, and I hope everybody will have a thoughtful Hanukkah. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.